This is a GRDC podcast. It's August 2018 and in northern New South Wales it's as dry as a half-day-old slice of toast. By now, in more normal years, we would be seeing fields of green rather than fallow paddocks. Now, I'm on my way to meet Tony Cook, who is a weed scientist at New South Wales DPI at Tamworth, to talk to him about controlling herbicide-resistant weeds, mainly along fence lines, but also those patches of weeds you sometimes see in cropping paddocks. Of course, when it comes to fence lines, farmers have traditionally used glyphosate to control them, but with several weed species now resistant to glyphosate, that leaves growers with a problem. Tony has done some work recently with herbicide combinations, which has shown a lot of promise, so I look forward to talking to him about that. And here he is just up ahead. Bear with me while I pick him up and we'll go for a bit of a drive around the district. The people you meet. G'day, mate. How you going? driven up a road here and we've, we've seen some really good examples of where farmers have sowed or are going to sow right up close to the fence line. That, so that really shouldn't be an issue, should it, if they're sowing right up to the fence line? Yes, well, I, I, I agree. I think that's, well, that's a way of using crop competition as much as you can up to a fence line where weeds would have normally grown. You can use other chemicals particularly if you're trying to avoid glyphosate resistance. Now, I've, I've been to places in South Australia and other areas, uh, southern New South Wales and Victoria, where they may be growing something like Roundup Ready Canola, trying to combat glyphosate-resistant weeds or other weeds, but they have a significant issue with those glyphosate-resistant weeds on the fence line creeping into the crop, and it sort of negates the... the potency of that technology if you've got glyphosate resistant weeds creeping into a glyphosate resistant crop uh, so there's some of the issues that can come up now we've stopped here beside the road and there's a we're not too sure what the crop is but it probably looks like oats but there's a headland here of a, about what three meters or so mm-hmm. it's a bit weedy though isn't it yes what we're looking at here is it's a farm track it's a fence line it's a farm track Albeit very dry year, we haven't had any really effective rain. We have weeds still growing here, not very high densities. We've got some variegated thistles. I've got a, a panicum, a panic grass, which has uh, ability of windblown seeds. But we've got some common or south thistle or milk thistle just uh, about five metres up from us. And that's a rather large plant. It's got its roots down into moisture. It's a rather couple of robust plants. There. And, it, you know, potential seed production of just a few plants like that in a drought is amazing that plant could possibly produce tens of thousands of seeds. And it can, you know, 
potentially going to crops or wherever they, the seeds land. And, and we do have glyphosate-resistant milk thistle around our region. So so a couple of plants like that, as I say, they, they're quite mature and they look like they, they've come to head or coming to head. Mm. They're capable of uh, infecting a crop. How badly? OK, Chris, uh, when I do my trials or experiments on, on farms, most of my trials particularly on south thistle fleabane, have been no more than about 5 or 10 metres from the edge of a crop or near a fence line because naturally most of the seed falls within you know, a few metres or thereabouts from the, the mother plant. But it still tapers off and it goes into the crop even further. So sometimes the infestation goes not just 5 metres, but it can go you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 metres. But you still get tail-off seeds that can go longer distance. It can go a kilometre, five kilometres, but the great majority uh, have fallen within, say, 50 to 100 metres of the plant quite easily. So, you know, so yep. they are impacting. If you replicate that 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 plants, you've got a problem. That's right. I've seen some fence lines which are a haven for fleabane and south thistle in particular. They're the worst too. Um, we do have other weed species that have a bit of a windblown nature to them. Um, we've got some grass species called feathertop roads and windmill grass and they're closely related and they've got seeds that are very light and they can be blown away. They've got um, also flower heads that enable uh, the wind to pick them up and to just to, you know, drag them along the ground. Now, as I mentioned, Tony Cork has done a lot of work looking for alternative chemical control of glyphosate-resistant weeds along fence lines and with some success. Now, here's the caveat. Before you go out with these chemicals, please make sure you read the labels and talk to your agronomist about rates and, of course, their suitability to your situation. Tony has spent a fair bit of time getting these things just right. Well, I've been actually doing this for the last sort of six or seven years, and I've ramped that up a bit more significantly now due to a GRDC project for innovative weed control. And at the moment, I've unveiled that at least two, a combination of two herbicides are the most synergistic and the most effective. Those being the active ingredients bromacil and imazapyr, both from different herbicide groups, and they complement each other quite well. One might control grasses more and not so well on broadleaf weeds, the other vice versa. It might control the broadleaf weeds but not the grasses too well. And what we're seeing, yeah, at least six months control at least, uh, even after heavy rainfall. So it's, that's promising. The only issue with it, I suppose, is potential damage, potential damage to any trees. And there's also the treatment's sort of good in a way that you don't have to put it on purely as a pre-emergent, so you don't have to get have the time just before rain to do it. You could, you could possibly put it on after rain with the weeds up uh, a small sort of size, um, so you can see what you're treating, and that can buy you some time if time constraints sort of withhold you from tidying up your fence lines. It's quite a good treatment, and uh, some people are using it, but I'm also looking at other chemistries as well. You make the point, though, that you also need a follow-up of paraquat. Why is that? Well, in cases where you're treating weeds a little bit too large, and I'm saying if you've gone on a, in a situation where you've got, say, ryegrass that's sort of quite large and tillered, well tillered, well over six inches tall, you've got a whole cluster of these plants along the fence line, 
these two herbicides I mentioned before will work slowly, but maybe not fast enough. These ryegrass plants may still develop through the core. The lower leaves might burn off, get necrotic, but you need to speed things up sometimes. And with, with, with weeds, when they've got a bit of size, they take a li- little bit longer to die, and sometimes you might have to expediate things and then put a desiccant herbicide over the top to speed things up. The bromosil and marzipia combination, does that take care of all the problem weeds that you have here in uh, in this neck of the woods? Good question there because what I've seen, if put on at early stages or pre-emergent to early, early post-emergent, it seems to control windmill grass, feather top roads, both those broadleaf weeds, common south thistle and flea bone, barnyard grass, which is uh, and annual ryegrass, and they're the ones I've sort of looked at so far. So at the moment, it's robust over various soil types, uh, rainfalls, uh, locations at the moment. So far, so good. Yeah, but don't fall into the same glyphosate trap of using it year after year, though, I suppose. Well, every treatment's as good as its follow-up. Look, I used to say I could, I could have used glyphosate, for years on years on end, it's only as good as my follow-up. So if I tidy up every single weed that survived my glyphosate treatment, I'd probably still be using it today. But we've fallen down a lot because we just didn't do the follow-up treatment or monitor and make sure that any surviving plant was controlled because we don't know whether they're resistant or not, and that's where we've come down. So yet again, with bromacil and imazapyr on a fence line or any other treatment you use, always check the efficacy or the control of that treatment and if it's not 100% do something about it just uh, we're trying to get close to 100% with all our treatments we recommend Just across the road from this paddock, there's another paddock that's actually in fallow at the moment, and I can see a bit of a patch of green in there. Can you see that? Yep. Yes, I can see. Yep. Yeah. So, what's that likely to be? Well, there's two two options. Um, that's been sprayed relatively recently, and I can see some other dead, a few dead plants around that patch. But looking at it, I can also, luckily we're close enough to see a few dead plants within that patch, but most of them are surviving, and I dare say that would be glyphosate-resistant ryegrass. Okay, all right. So how are you going to manage that? Is he going to have to manage that before he sows, or can he manage it in crop? The best time to strike is in a fallow. Fallow, you've got almost all the options available to you, really. You've got a whole range of herbicides from different modes of action, you can be indiscriminate, you can go over that patch and really looking at that patch it wouldn't take much time to go through and to sort it out because the ultimate goal is to stop seed set. So when you're looking at that, they can kill those plants easily with a whole range. You could even patch cultivate that area to be sure or you could hit it with different modes of action, the the bipyridals or group L herbicides which are desiccants. Obviously clearly wouldn't rely on glyphosate but you've still got to be mindful now. You, you probably think, well, that patch has got some seed there still that hasn't germinated. So some will germinate in the crop that will come up afterwards. So you've got to keep an eye on that. I sometimes promote people to sacrifice that little part where the crop is sown over that patch to sometimes even take that patch out. 
take a radical um, steps because that, that patch of ryegrass may have resistance to other herbicides as well. What do you mean take it out? You could uh, green manure that part of the crop in. Looking at this paddock, it's, it's not even 1% of the overall area. So whatever it takes to stop the, the weeds in that crop producing seed. The worst thing you could possibly do is go in with a header, thinking that you've controlled all those glyphosate-resistant ryegrass plants initially and within crop herbicides, but a few survive. You may get your header through there and then spread the seed and make that patch a little bit larger. I think you've got to take more drastic measures than to preserve every bit of crop. In some measures, taking an economic little hit early on is probably saving you money in the long run. Do you see that often, uh, Tony, uh, examples of patches of weeds in the middle of a crop? Yes. Look, my experience comes back from late 1990s, where I saw it in the Liverpool Plains. Some of the patches were almost as big as a paddock. That's not a good example, but some of them were discrete patches where... And the ryegrass was growing over the height of the crop, well over two to three foot. So the ryegrass plants were quite substantial. I've seen it in the Central West. They've got lots of issues, uh, Dubbo, Narromine, patches of it growing on irrigation channels, early stages where they can do something about it before it becomes a paddock-wide issue. So really it's not just a, a one-off sort of approach to patch management. You've got to sort of keep on top of it. You know, one thing I like to promote is just monitor your paddocks more. Follow the rules of... No, resistant management. Don't allow plants to set seed. Use alternative tactics. Some of them can be chemical, some can be alternate, some could be non-chemical. If you can make sure nothing gets up and survives seed throughout the life cycle of, of that weed, some of our weeds fortunately don't have long-lived seed banks, so the battle hopefully isn't that long for each specific patch. But you always keep your eyes out. Once you've got resistance, you know you'll always... You can't rest on your laurels and say you're safe. You're always always looking. That was Tony Cook, a weed scientist with New South Wales DPI at Tamworth. With lots of paddocks in the far northern region left fallow this winter, it could be a good opportunity to get on top of any weeds that emerge over the coming months as a result of passing storms. But as Tony said, if you are using herbicide, don't set and forget. Go back around for another look and only consider the job done when every weed is dead.